We were just singing about anxious fears. It's a time when we've been hearing a lot of hard news the past few weeks and months, a lot of bad news. As Christians, we believe that the gospel, the message about what God is doing to redeem the world through Jesus Christ is good news. But how good is this good news? The gospel says that we can be saved. We're going to hear that this morning. We have to ask the question, why is salvation good? If Jesus offers that to us, why should we want it? We'll hear a reference to the salvation that Jesus offers in this morning's scripture reading from Acts chapter 2. Scripture reading this morning is from Acts 2, verses 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So a few weeks ago, something incredibly exciting happened to me. Um, I got my very own PV hook. Now, that might not sound so exciting to uh, many of you, but uh, I'm, I'm just incredibly thrilled. I've always wanted a PV hook, and now I have one. What's a PV hook? You should be asking by now. Well, it's a tool that has a handle about this tall on it, a wooden handle, a little bit taller than I am. And then on the end of it is this massive iron hook that kind of works like this. And a PV hook is used by people who are cutting wood. So you take this long handle and you strap that long hook around a big log that's already on the ground. And then you wrench that long handle over and press it all the way to the ground. And it props that log up in the air just a few inches so that when you're cutting it with a saw, whether manually or a chainsaw, the the saw blade won't bind, and everybody knows what a problem that can be, can be dangerous. So a PV hook is this fantastic tool that meets a very specific kind of need. The whole range of human need, that need that makes you want to say, hey, Steve, can you hand me one of those things that lets me prop a log up once it's on the ground so that when I cut it, the blade won't bind? That's a pretty narrow slice of the whole range of human need. So if you're into that sort of thing, then you get really excited to know that you, you could have your very own PV hook. But if you're not into that very narrow sort of thing, you wouldn't be very excited at all. We've been thinking recently at in town about evangelism evangelism is our calling to speak good news to our neighbors about what god has done through jesus but there's a significant barrier to evangelism we won't speak good news to anyone if we think no one is interested in it if we think well that's something that excites me or excites a few people but most people just aren't interested Like we could read Acts chapter 2, verse 21. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
But what if the people I know just aren't interested in having the kind of religious experience that we normally called being saved? Well, suddenly what's supposed to sound like good news seems like it's not very good news at all. Or we read the last verse of today's scripture reading. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. But if I were to go to ask my neighbors right now, what do you need? I wonder if they would say, I need to be saved. Maybe they do need that, but maybe they wouldn't say it. So we can get a sense that nobody's really interested. I mean, come on, Jimmy, this sermon isn't very interesting right now. We're living in the era of coronavirus and shelter-in-place orders, and you're talking about being saved and evangelism? Nobody's interested in that right now. It's not what we need. What I want us to know today, though, is that every person you know is interested in the salvation that Jesus offers because the salvation that Jesus offers answers every dimension of human need. Let's take some time to explore some of those dimensions of human need and how Jesus answers them, and then we'll talk about the implications for us. Let's start by seeing that Jesus offers freedom from guilt and shame. Very quick distinction. Guilt is about what I do, and shame is about who I am. Guilt makes us ask questions like, why do I so often and so deeply hurt and offend the people I love the most? Why do I betray God? Why do I offend the God who made me? Can I be forgiven for the things that I do that hurt other people? Can I be forgiven for the things that I do that betray God? Or will I have to face the consequences of those things? Guilt makes us wrestle with those questions. We want freedom. We want to know the answer to those questions. Shame asks questions like this. Can I be included? Can I be celebrated? Or will I be rejected? Would I, will I be ridiculed? Guilt and shame make us want to hear someone say to us, I am perfectly pleased. I am perfectly pleased with you. I am perfectly pleased with everything you do and everything you have done. That answers the guilt question. I am perfectly pleased with everything you are. That answers the shame question. Every human being wants to be free from guilt and shame. Wants to hear someone say, I am perfectly pleased with you. The good news of the Christian gospel is that the salvation Jesus answers speaks directly to that need. Here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 we hear the Apostle Peter say this on the day of Pentecost. He's preaching this first sort of great Christian message. He says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. He's speaking directly to the fact that Jesus can take away our guilt. There's also a shame element to this sermon. A couple verses later, Peter says, Save yourselves, there's that key theme of salvation again, from this corrupt generation. Now, to us that may not register as, how, as Jesus speaking into the issue of shame, 
But, but Peter is alluding to a verse from the Old Testament. It's Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 5. Moses is singing a song, writing a poem. And this verse of that poem says, God's people have acted corruptly toward him. To their shame, they are no longer his children. Shame. Can I belong? Can I be part of God's family? Or will I be rejected? And instead of being his children, the verse goes on to say, they're a warped and crooked generation. So when Peter says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation, he is saying the salvation that Jesus offers can answer that question of shame. Can I belong? Can I be included? Or will I experience the shame of being rejected from God's family? Jesus offers freedom from guilt and shame. That is not the only dimension of human need, though, that Jesus uh, offers and meets. The salvation that Jesus brings into our world offers us power for growth and change also. Why do we need to grow and change? Well, a couple of big reasons. One, we love things that we know we shouldn't love. And then there are things that we should love that we're cold toward. Right? Why is it that it's, it's so easy for me to love the things that are bad for me and bad for other people, but the things I know are good for me and good for other people, it takes a lot of effort to motivate me to get the, those things done. And we ask the question, will I always be like this? Will it always be this way? Will I always find the voice of temptation to be sweeter and more enticing than the voice of love? What's wrong with me that makes that happen in my heart and soul? Will I ever grow? Will I ever change? Or am I doomed forever to repeat this cycle of trying harder to be good followed by blowing it spectacularly? You feel that tension? You feel that frustration? Watch Emma if you haven't already seen it. It didn't last very long in the theaters because coronavirus. But it's, it's available now a new movie adaptation of Jane Austen's novel. Uh, if you can't watch it, read it. And you'll find this painful, awkward experience of this character who needs to grow, who at one point just speaks these words that are so biting and cutting and devastating to someone who has a very tender heart. And it's so awkward to read that or to watch it on screen and to see this person get crushed. And one of the reasons for me it's so awkward is because I go, oh my gosh, I am just like that. Why do I have a sharp wit? Why is my tongue so quick to cut and bite and hurt and harm? And will it always be this way? Everybody wants to grow. Everybody wants to change. We want someone to put an arm around us and say, I will give you power. Power to become a new kind of person. Living a new kind of life. The salvation that Jesus offers us answers this need. In Acts chapter 3, verse 26, we read this. God raised up his servant, Jesus, and he sent him first to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. See, that's not simply a matter of freeing us from guilt and shame. 
but saying it, God can change us and, and turn us. And the salvation that Jesus brings into the world can, can give us a new kind of power to live a new kind of life. Every person you know wants to grow and change and become a new kind of person. Jesus offers us that power. That's not all. One last dimension of human need that is addressed by the salvation that Jesus offers us is this. Jesus offers us hope for an end to pain. There's a pastor in our denomination named Alan Dayhoff who has spent time studying tattoos, really getting to know people by asking them questions about their tattoos. He just found it to be a great way to strike up conversations with people about all kinds of deep subjects. And uh, he found it was a great way to, to get to know the people in his neighborhood. He had a conversation one day with a man that he calls Jason. All the, all the names in the, the book that he's written about this are changed. Jason is a biker guy, no shirt, leather vest, tattoos all over, sitting in a bar, and Alan strikes up a conversation with him and notices that uh, most of the tattoos on Jason are of skulls or of things blowing up and body parts flying away from the explosions and lots and lots of snakes. Kind of some dark imagery. And Alan asks the question, why why'd you get these tattoos instead of something a little less dark? And Jason's answer is, this world is the most messed up place. And Jason wants to do something to this world that I'm not allowed to repeat. And he wants to do it several times. It's the most messed up place. Jason said, babies die here. In this world, families can't earn enough money to stay together. Disease killed my old man. And my mom has dementia. And if you can't see what's wrong with a world like that, what planet are you living on? We're all experiencing that right now. We may not have dark tattoos all over our bodies, but, but every day we're experiencing worry and fear and anxiety, loneliness. We've already mentioned that in today's worship service. Frustration. You make plans and they go out the window. Loss. It all hurts, and we want that pain to end. And so we ask the question every day, can I be sure that joy will replace the pain? The salvation that Jesus brings offers us an answer to that question. Hope. Not maybe one day sort of wishful thinking kind of hope. But you can be sure, kind of hope. You can be sure that one day the story will end with joy. That one day every tear will be wiped away. Until that day, this certainty, this hope, will sustain you and give you enough strength that you can make it through some of the hardest times you could imagine. Salvation that Jesus offers meets every dimension of human need, whether we're talking about guilt and shame and freedom from that, whether we're talking about the power to grow and change, become a new kind of person, or whether we're talking about hope, this certainty that one day joy will replace the pain, the pain will come to an end. 
And if you don't believe me, let me convince you from Scripture. Acts chapter 4 says this, verse 12, Salvation is found in no one else besides Jesus. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Now, if you're like me, a lot of your Christian life has taught you to read that verse as though it only talks about guilt and shame. Because salvation is really, it's like that PV hook. It's only good for one job, very specific, narrow range of needs. Hard to get real excited about it because there's so many other needs that won't be touched. But listen, this, this language of salvation here in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, follows another use of the language of salvation in verse 9. Peter is saying, hey, I'm in trouble now with the temple authorities because I just did something good for a crippled man. I told him he could stand up and walk. And now you're asking me how he was healed is the English translation. But the Greek word for heal is the same as the Greek word for save. The salvation that Jesus brings involves healing for the physical body. It involves an end to pain, the kind of pain that comes when your body breaks down, the salvation that comes only through Jesus, the name by which we must be saved. That salvation includes beggars no longer having to beg on the temple steps. It includes impoverished people being raised up to a new kind of life. It includes an end to that kind of pain too. The salvation that Jesus offers touches every area of life. Some implications of that. I've listed four for us this morning. We don't have time to go through all of them today. So uh, what this is is kind of a, a menu. We'll pick a couple of items now, and then we'll come back to the same restaurant later, and we'll eat some of the other entrees. So stay tuned. But for now, let's just hit a couple of these things. One implication of this is that the salvation Jesus offers touches all of life. It is not limited to just one dimension of human life. Sometimes we talk about the Christian gospel as though it has only to do with the forgiveness of sins. If you've ever played Monopoly, right, there's the corner you don't want to go to. It's jail. You can draw a get-out-of-jail-free card. Right, and it's got the little guy in his, um, the Monopoly man in his striped suit with the wings on the back, and he gets out of jail free, and that's awesome. But sometimes we think that evangelism, sharing the gospel with people, is like going around and saying, here's a get out of hell free card. It's only good for that. It doesn't have anything to do with all the other spaces on the board. But if you find yourself in that space, great, Jesus has got your back. Well, what we want to see is, yes, Jesus does have your back. You don't want to come face to face with God's judgment. For if God kept a record of sins, O oh Lord, who could stand? Jesus offers salvation that cleanses us from guilt, from any sense of shame when we stand, when we stand in the presence of a holy God. But that's not all Jesus offers us. The salvation Jesus offers is good on every square of the board. It's good to meet every need. That is a critical need 
But it's not the only need that salvation meets. The next implication follows from that one. Every human being is deeply interested in the salvation that Jesus offers. You will never have a conversation with someone who has zero interest in the gospel. They may not know that they're interested in it. They may not know that Jesus is the name through which we find the freedom that we're longing for. People may not know yet that Jesus is the one who offers us the power to grow and change that we all so desperately want. People may not yet understand that that the Christian message, the work of Jesus, touches on the question of pain as well as the question of guilt. So people may not know that they're interested in the gospel, but every person you know desperately desires freedom from guilt and shame, power to grow and change, hope that one day there will be an end to all this pain. Everyone longs for those things. So we don't have to make somebody interested in the gospel. They're already craving the things that Jesus has done. And so we don't ever have to enter into a conversation asking ourselves, hmm, is this Christian good news, this gospel, this message about Jesus, is this something that this person even needs? Is this something that this person even really interested in? I know of a pastor who had a conversation with a young woman. We'll call her Tinsley. Just picking that name out of the air here. Um, having a conversation with her, she had suffered a great deal of abuse in her teenage years. She was trafficked in Canada. And at the end of her conversation with this pastor, she turned and looked at him and and wanted him to hear one last thing before she left the room. She said, I am beautiful, and don't you forget it. Was Tinsley interested in the salvation that Jesus offers? Well, she didn't say, I have righteousness, and don't you forget it. She didn't say, I've got my get-out-of-hell-free card, and don't you forget it. She didn't say, I am saved, and don't you forget it. So on that level, it could sound like, well, she was having a totally different conversation. She wasn't talking about anything that relates to Jesus. But if you understand, here's a young woman who for years was treated as less than human and who for years was, was rejected and shamed by other people abused by them, you hear, here's someone who, who, who wants to know, wants the whole universe to know that she is not less than human, that there is no shame about her, that she is beautiful. She wants that to be known and she doesn't want it ever to be forgotten. Y'all, that's a gospel conversation. That's a conversation about something that Jesus offers us. There is no shame once Jesus 
has made us his own, once Jesus has brought us into his family as the Father's children, then no one can tell us that we aren't beautiful or lovely because the Father says to us, I love you as much as though you had done all the things that my son has done to redeem the world. I couldn't be more pleased with you. I couldn't be more proud of you. And anybody, anybody who wants to say otherwise, they have to come through me first. Tinsley wants that. I want that. You want that. Everybody you know wants to hear the gospel. Everybody you know wants to be saved. Evangelism is is a process of us coming to love the salvation that Jesus offers so that we can then talk to other people about it. You don't want a PV hook. The only reason I want you to be excited about PV hooks is because I love PV hooks. Because I grew up with a dad who was in forestry. A relationship with somebody who loved me who gave me this love for this kind of equipment. I love it so much that when I saw one a few weeks ago in the barn of Trisha's dad, and I was offered it, I wanted it. I wanted it so badly that I want you to know how much I want it. That's how the gospel works. A father loves us so much, and he gives us the thing that brings us joy And then we tell other people that we're excited about the thing he has given us. Evangelism isn't complicated. It's really just a matter of saying Jesus meets the need of every person. How can we love people? How can we tell them that he loves them too? Let's take a moment and pray. Lord Jesus, Would you help us? Would you help us to see that you meet every need? Would you help us to see that every person we know longs for something that only you can offer? Would you help us to become the hands and feet that offer them the things that you have done? We pray in your name. Amen.